Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black, white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hi, pals. I just pulled into Boulder and I'm in my car a block away from my cousin's house. And I'm trying to record this now so that I don't have to do it later when I'm completely exhausted. So I'll give you a quick update and then I'll be on my way. Number one patrons. There are a bunch of new ones. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'll give you all shouts out, shout outs. I'll give you all shout outs next week. Two, Shelby Gale and her GoFundMe. A bunch of you contributed to her GoFundMe last week and that's amazing. Thank you so much. If you didn't get a chance to do it last week, I'll put a link to the GoFundMe in my show notes for this week as well so you can still do that. Three, pregnancy. Am I or am I not? I am not. Shocking, I know. Can you believe it? Just kidding, that's exactly what I expected. But I wasn't expecting to feel so sad about it when I got my negative pregnancy tests. I I thought I was prepared for the negative, but I wasn't. I did get to feel sad for a few hours, and I vented all, all about it on my Patreon. And then that feeling passed, and I felt way better. And, um... And now I'm on my way back to California where I'm going to do my embryo transfer and we will see what happens. And now it's time for the interview. Today I'm talking with Mel Johnson. She is a single mother by choice. She lives in Manchester, England. She's got a two-year-old daughter and she is a fertility coach. You're going to hear all about it and this is a really great episode for any of you that are out there trying to figure out if single motherhood is the right direction for you. I kind of wish I had had this episode before I even started my podcast. I mean, if I'd listened to this episode two years ago, I might not have even started the podcast because she was so helpful or would have answered a lot of the questions that I explored in season one. Anyway... I've had a five-hour energy drink, and my armpits are sweating, and my heart is racing. Anyway, okay, back to what was I saying? What, 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 where, uh, where am I? My notes, my notes, my notes. Oh, ah, yes, I remember. So, some of you might be thinking, hey, Molly, aren't you trying to start a little business as a fertility consultant or something? Isn't it a little risky to have another fertility coach on your podcast? Well, there's a part of me that's scared to talk about Mel's business because I would love to have more clients and I don't want to lose any of the ones I already have. But this podcast, while it's very much about me and my journey, is also about helping you folks. And I think it's important for everyone to know that fertility coaching exists and to have the support that they need. Whether that support comes from me or from Mel, it doesn't matter. So listen to the interview and enjoy, and I will talk to you next week from my little office in Los Angeles. Love you so much. Bye. 
suppose it starts with the fact that I went through this journey myself. So I was single at 37. Um, I was single at 30, 31, 32, like right away <laughs> up. Um, and I thought, I feel like I'm possibly going to miss out on motherhood. So agonized over the decision and then decided to go for it. And the very short version is did IVF with donor sperm. And on the second transfer, my daughter was created. Um, you know, we she- don't need the short version. We have time. (laughs) I can tell you the whole long version um, as well. So I suppose it's all wrapped together, isn't it? Because my big thing was I was um, wanting the fairy tale. So I kept on thinking another six months, another six months, I'm bound to meet someone. And finally thought there are no six months left if I I don't really want to jeopardize my chances of meeting someone. Yeah. Yeah. So decided to do IVF with donor sperm. I... I felt very alone in, when I was in that situation because I didn't know anybody else who was going through the same thing. Yeah. I think now that's slightly different because there's there's a lot more, I think, talked about it. But then I um, felt alone. So decided in parallel to doing it to set up the Stork and I, which is my company that now supports other women going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the short version. Uh, again, I don't need that short version. So, um, what happens at the at the Stork and I? Don't you run groups as well? I do. So basically, um, I am um, a life coach. So um, I started off coaching predominantly women in their 30s who were like a bit lost and just wanting like what's. Were you a life coach before? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Amazing. Yes. So okay. I was already a coach. I had a company, Best Selfology. So it was about being the best version of yourself. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, like people who were almost like at a transition and they didn't know which way to go. Um, and sometimes motherhood came up in those conversations. But when I went through this journey myself, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to specialize in just helping people in this exact same position. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I do one-to-one coaching with people through a program of literally letting go of the idea of the fantasy and doing it in a partnership and embracing a different way, um, setting up a support network, choosing the different options, who to involve throughout the process, and then beyond into motherhood. Um, and I also do a course called Choosing Solo. Uh So it's a group coaching course. People dial in from around the world. It doesn't matter what country you're from. And they um, I go through the same thing. I go through the emotional side of things um, then the processy side of things and then more of like the practical side of things. So what things do you need in place? um, How do you set all that up? And, And then just allowing people to meet each other, you know, people in the same situation, bringing them together. There's such a I did. I ran one last night and they were like, oh, it's so nice to just know that there's 10 other people all going through the same thing on one call. So, yeah. um, Are they from all around the world or are they in England? All around the world. So um, a large percentage are from England, probably just because that's where I am. But we have um, I've had people from the US, from Canada, from Netherlands. So, yeah, all over, really. Before the virus, did you do stuff in person, too? 
I tend not to, to be honest, just because I, 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 there's, I've got some people that live close to me that we do meetups, but that tends to be other solo mums um, mm. where we're meeting up more on a friendship level as opposed to like a professional level. Um, because it is global, you know, there's not loads of people that live on my doorstep that are, are sort of doing this. So I tend to more do stuff remotely. Um, I've run a couple of events locally for people uh, because it is nice to sometimes meet people face to face and get to catch up and socialize Uh, but no predominantly I do it remotely anyway. So I have I have so many questions I mean because I want to know all about your current experience as a single mom but I don't know if we should jump there or talk more about the psychology behind choosing to become a single mother. Yeah well let's stop there because that's like right at the very beginning. Yeah yeah and um, I think I really struggled because I like I said had that fantasy and I had to go through a process and now what I do is try to take that learning and my coaching skills to help other people go through that process yeah. so I think I personally think that we are definitely conditioned by society to believe that happiness is meeting a partner getting married having children Mm. it's what happily ever after is painted like in films in books it's probably what we saw our parents do Mm. um a lot of our peers have sort of taken that route um but I think it's very easy to fantasize and to and to think that all of my problems will be solved if I just meet the right guy mm-hmm. or, you know, to, and, and do a more traditional route to motherhood. But what I help people work through and what I've worked through myself is that that is a fantasy. Um, and there will absolutely be advantages of doing this in a, a partnership. But and I can tell you firsthand, there are absolute advantages of doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And I have a very open relationship with a lot of my mum friends. And I say, you know, please don't shield stuff from me just because I'm on my own. Like, let's be open about you know, if you want to say my husband's useless, you you say it. I'm right. more than happy to hear that. Yeah. So we've talked quite openly about the the pros and cons. And um, yeah, the, you know, doing it on your own means that it's your choice. You do it how you want. You can be completely selfish. You can, you know, it's your way of parenting. There's no negotiation with anyone. There's no one to annoy you. Like, I mean, no one- I, I think these things too, but then I wonder, you know, is is that another fantasy of mine? Because uh, I, might, I might have started to romanticize the idea of doing things on my own. And almost preferring that idea. Yeah, and, and and genuinely, I, on reflection, look back and think, I don't know if I could have done this with another person. I genuinely okay. think that. So there is an element of then also almost romanticizing the <laughs> other side. But I really try and help people change the language. Uh, but mm. I mean, I say it myself, but not doing it on your own. Uh. It's doing it without a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. But it's doing it with a tribe of people around you. And, and actually, this is one of the things I cover on my course. So sometimes some people are genuinely almost jealous of my setup now let's take lockdown out of the equation because then everything goes out the window but in a normal situation I've got so much help and so many people in my life who I've made my extended family some people have just got that one person and maybe they're not really satisfied with that one person maybe they are I've got so many that I've created and who really help I have a question about that, though. 
I, no. I have a, a feeling of like that I'm choosing to do this thing. I feel a, a sense of guilt in asking for help from other people. You need to come on my course. This is exactly what we were talking about yesterday. So there's a whole section of saying so many people feel exactly that way. So, so many people were nodding yesterday as I was going through it. Yes, I've chosen to do it on my own. Therefore, I must do it on my own. Mm -hmm. But how many new parents do you know who really do it on their own? Like if you're in a couple, most people get help from loads of different people. Mm -hmm. So why would that be any different from doing it on our own? And I think one of the things is a lot of people who decide to embark on solo motherhood are strong independent women who are not used to asking for help on anything Mm. and so asking for help actually becomes a bit of an art in itself Mm -hmm. and it's about learning what are your barriers for asking for help and how can you remove those barriers and just embrace people's genuine sincere offers of helping you they enjoy helping you benefit your future child benefits like everybody is a is a winner on this but what I warn people is your friends and family aren't mind readers so they Mm. don't know what help you need and so you really need to explain to them what help looks like and so many women say I just cannot believe that I'm not getting the help I need but they've never actually told people what they need and and get frustrated that people just don't know you know what's crazy is that i ask for help on my podcast all the time i'm telling everybody help me send me money like whatever and at the same time i feel like people in my family or or close friends that don't listen to the podcast anybody that doesn't listen to the podcast i resent them for not knowing But And I'm like, why haven't they called to see how I'm doing? I had a miscarriage. Why doesn't anybody ask me about it? It's so true. And this is, we had this exact conversation. And, and actually, somebody also brought up that I had a miscarriage and I feel like no one supported me. And it's about, firstly, people don't necessarily know what to say. I so know. Some, some people avoid the conversation because they're feeling like, oh, I don't know how to handle what what does she want me to do? And that's where my advice is to take responsibility for what support you need from people. And it can be frustrating because you want them to know. The, the, the example I gave is, you know, you hear lots of people saying, I don't want to tell my husband to Hoover. I want him to know he has the Hoover. <laughs> and it's the, it's the same sort of thing. You'd, I don't want to guide my friends on how to help me. I want them to know how to help me. But yeah, you know, it, they, people just don't always know. And I know so- that that's my um, feeling after I have the initial reaction of nobody gives a fuck about me. <laughs> then I go, no, 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 no. They have no idea how to talk about this stuff. And I think that's because of the of society, because nobody yeah. talks about miscarriage. And yeah, they just don't know how to talk about it. So then I have to go through, a, oh, I've got to forgive these people. And, and yeah. it is my responsibility to talk to them. If I need them to talk to me about it, I've got to, I've got to tell them how I'm feeling and tell them that I want to talk to them about it. The, the other tricky thing is two people can want something completely different. So how do yeah. I know what you want what versus my other friend who wants something completely different? Yeah. That's why it is easier to guide people a little bit. Yeah, that's but the main, the main thing is to not get angry with people for not yeah. knowing. Because I think everyone feels the same about that. That's so true. Well, I loved what you said about the changing your language, doing it without a romantic partner. 
Do you always call it solo motherhood or uh, rather than single mother by choice? I think it's um, I think it's a country thing. So in mm. the UK, it seems to be solo mum. Mm. I know in the US, it seems to be more single mother by choice. I think one of the problems is mum is spelled different. So it's mom, mum. And so mother, <laughs> it's yeah. easier because it's universal. Um, so, so yeah, I call it solo mum. I think it's just what we say in the UK. Mm-hmm. Some people want to go as far as saying like a uh, single mother by necessity. I don't know what's the most empowering and if you need to divide it up, uh, does it exclude other people? Does that make other people feel bad? I think for me, it's there's two different things. There's your relationship status. Right. And then there's this, the your route to parenthood. So your relationship status is, um, I guess, single if you have um, have embarked on this on your own. Some people, actually, it's a bit more complicated than that, but in the most part, single. And then it's a, it's more around are you co-parenting with somebody or are you parenting solo so I see those as two different things mm-hmm. being single is one thing and parenting solo is is one thing and I suppose I usually talk about the parenting side of things not focusing so much on your relationships or how you came to be a solo mother yeah exactly because um I actually speak to people who have become solo mums in Mm -hmm. different ways the thing that is similar is that they're not co-parenting if you're co-parenting there's a whole heap of other challenges but they're quite different so I tend to I haven't got experience that's another life coach altogether exactly so I just do people who are parenting solo without another uh, co-parent yeah yeah quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. We talked on your podcast a little bit about dating and stuff like that. You asked me about what it was like for me or what it's been like for me. I haven't gotten to the point of dating while pregnant. (laughs) I hope I get to be there someday and I hope it's soon. But um, I did have one date when I was six weeks pregnant and I told the guy (laughs) and and he was shocked. And then at the end of the date, he told me I was the most interesting person he'd ever met (laughs) and I never heard from him again. (laughs) But that's okay because I didn't want to talk to him again either. So did you, what did you do? I mean, what was dating like for you when you were trying to get pregnant? Uh, And what was dating like if you were doing it uh, when you were pregnant? And then- And then we can talk about afterwards. 
So I would say dating before I got pregnant was a nightmare is the one word summary. Um, I had so much pressure. I had the fantasy of doing this in a traditional way. Therefore, I needed to meet someone before the time ran out. So the pressure's mounting. And every time you meet someone, you're thinking, are you the father of my children? Is this going to go anywhere? And quite honestly, I pursued two relationships, which I could tell you now were complete nonsense. Both of them for different reasons, because if I'm really honest with myself, I just wanted it to work so badly to solve this at the time I was thinking problem um, of of the time ticking away. So I think it made me make really poor choices. People who were not right for me that I really tried to make work because I didn't want to start again. And lots of dates that were not good because there was just, I couldn't just relax and enjoy a date. And there was too much pressure on what it would mean and where it was going. And yeah. And you couldn't get to know a person for who he really was no, because you because... were wondering about his balls. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sperm quality. Yeah, yeah. And the would he be a good father? Yeah. And how quickly did he want to have children? And would he be freaked out if I mention it now? And, you know, all of that stuff that's yeah. going on. So the relief, actually, when I decided to then do something on my own, I was like, oh, you know, that's all now that time pressure has been taken off. So then I did, I was dating someone casually when I was going for treatment. Mm-hmm. We, um, I was very open about it. We talked openly about it and that didn't work out, not because I was going for treatment, just because it was never going to work out. Uh, before you move on, what was his feeling about it since it was okay? I mean, he he was like, good on you. Yeah. You know, you know what you want. Um, I could understand why you're doing it. This does make things a bit tricky in terms of what's going to happen with us. But let's just see that. And um, I think that's a lot of people's reactions, a lot of guys reactions. Like That's what I get, too. Yeah. You know, well, well done you. You know what you want and you're going out to get it. So I haven't been able to test whether or not anything would work out because I haven't liked any of the people I've been on a date with. So I can't <laughs> like I usually there's no second date because I'm just not interested. I, I am the queen of no second date. I can't tell you how many first dates I've been on, half of which I would say they haven't wanted to go on a second date and half of which I haven't. And it's like, why do those two never say? Mine is always almost um, mutual. And I think that's because I don't like them. And then I don't give off a vibe like I want you to like me. So what's mm. for them to like, which is fine. And I think it's better than you liking someone and them not wanting to go on a second date. That's a bit soul destroying if that keeps happening. Yeah. But I would say it's almost like 50-50. But definitely some I've pursued more than I think I should (laughs) because I feel like I really wanted it to happen. And then when I got pregnant, I just honestly in the first three months there was no way I like Mm. I could barely function and get out of bed I certainly wouldn't be dating and then after that I think I was just so busy I was like moving house and I had quite a stressful job and it just didn't fit into my life really feel unimportant no not at all so I yeah sorry it felt unimportant there was so many other things I was trying to set up my home I was trying to sort my job out I was trying to uh, it it it, for the first time in a long time I was like this is not 
on my radar at all. Yeah, it's been feeling like that for me lately too. Really? Yeah. And it sort of shows that you're getting closer to like being in that headspace, I think. However, I am quite unusual based on most of the other people I've spoken to in the fact that I did go on a date when my daughter was 12 weeks old. Ah. So I... And that's early compared to what people are that you know or talk about okay way way early so Mm -hmm. some people one person was like I mean basically five years I was like five years (laughs) I went on a date after 12 weeks but I think most people probably say more like six months to a year Uh but I was like I want to see what it's like I want to see if I want to get out there and give it a try and it was amazing like we didn't like each other in that sense, but I had a lovely night and um, I was like, I'm out on a date with a boy um, having a glass of wine. I mean, I was there for an hour because (laughs) I was a 12-week-old, so like, I just literally popped there and popped straight back again. Um, So it's possible, and I've been on loads of dates since. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is possible. And and now I also have this romantic idea in my mind that uh, once I have a child, I'll just be like any other single mom out there and there's there doesn't have to be this wild story and single moms can date it seems like it'll be easier than this complicated very complicated time (sighs) that a guy might not want to get mixed up in I agree. I think it is easier. And I tell you to to try to put you at ease as well. What people say to me is you're the dream scenario in some ways because you've got a young child, youngish, she's two. um, So you're not going to be pressurizing a guy to have a baby straight away um, or or at all. Um, You, you know, you're obviously independent because, you know, of the choices of what you've done. And there's no ex on the scene involved in your situation. So quite a few guys have said to me, I mean, happy days. This is like a really (laughs) good situation. I think people are nervous that... um, people won't be interested in dating them. And that is not the experience I have had at all. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Really and can you tell me, back when you were feeling sick in your first uh, three months of pregnancy, how was that as a as being alone and not having anybody to take care of you? And how was pregnancy not having a man to appreciate that beautiful pregnant belly and all that shit? <laughs> I really think you do love these fantasies. <laughs> if you speak to anyone who's gone through this with a guy, they're like, he's annoying me so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, to be honest, I don't make life easy for myself. So it was super hard in those mm. first three months. But I lived in Budapest with my job. Oh I my was gosh. moving back from Budapest to the UK. So I was finishing one job, starting another job. My new job was in London, but I lived in Manchester. I was commuting. I mean, so I did not have time to think, oh, I wish I was doing this in a different way. I was literally, I I think sometimes I do that. I take so much on Mm. to fill my mind. So I'm not thinking, you know. I think a lot of people do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But I, um, those first three months were hard, but afterwards I was just super excited. And, um, I really did make a conscious effort to embrace people into this and to say, I'm doing this and I'm really excited to have you on this journey with me. (laughs) You are on this journey with me (laughs) to, to my friends. And, um, just embrace 
all the support that they gave me and um, tried to be realistic that although there were things that would be lovely to have a partner with, there are also things that are annoying to have a partner with. And, um, you know, I got a lot of support from my mum. A lot of, I think I I say quite often, some of my friends are like, I would swap my partner for your mum in a heartbeat (laughs) because she's way more useful. Um, It depends what you need, what you want, I suppose. Yeah. Having a mom nearby is nice. What about struggles as a single mother from newborn to toddler? I mean, I know there are a lot of benefits that you don't have to argue with somebody about decisions and choices. You don't have to see your um, husband throwing your baby 12 feet in the air. (laughs) I could not handle that. Nobody's throwing my fucking baby. I, if anyone (laughs) is, I am, and it's going to be maybe a foot, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course there are challenges. So yeah. I think um, one of the challenges I would say the biggest one is time for yourself. Yeah. So the way I look at it is there's three things to fit into life. There is uh, for me anyway. There's uh, family time. Uh, there's career, and there's time for myself. Mm-hmm. And quite often, time for self seems to drop off a little bit if yeah. you try and fit those other two in. So just small things like having a lie-in. I am one of those strange morning people. So um, it's easier for me because I used to get up early. But so many people are like, are you mad? Like, I would love to lie in to whatever time. And you just can't. You have to get up when your child gets up. And doing that every day and not having anyone to take a turn. Mm -hmm. So when you hear your friends say, oh, my husband did this morning or, you know, he he, uh, let me lie in. You're like, ah, oh. and this is what I always say to anybody who wants to help out um, a, a solo mum or a single parent, go and take that morning shift, let them have mm. a lie in, let them go back to bed. Um, that is, uh, you know, the dream gift. And my mum does that for me once a week. So she comes and she does the night time and the next morning and just having that one day a week break is great you may get a child that sleeps later you know many people do but um my daughter takes after me (laughs) I can't (laughs) complain I'm also a morning person um and then there's things like you know when you've done bath time and bedtime and it's taken a long time and you're tired and then you come downstairs and the house is trashed all the stuff's still out in the kitchen all the stuff's out in the lounge everything and you're just like oh I just would love to just go and put my feet up and maybe if there's another person in the house you could have divided and conquered a little bit more so they would have done one you could have done the other so it's it's the practical side of things and then I would say there's the social element so adult company you know Mm -hmm. it would be nice sometimes to come down and just be able to chat to somebody over dinner um or just somebody that's more than two years old exactly i mean i love the chat but it's not on you know you need some adult (laughs) chat as well but there's things you can do there's things you can do to make sure that some of that is still in place and this is guiding your friends is a big one here because I was like, why are my friends not coming round to my house? Because they know I can't go out. Mm. But they just didn't. Know, they just didn't know. They didn't know that that was something that would be useful for me. And I hadn't so invited you, them. Right. I just wanted them to know. So would you want? I mean, if if they did know somehow, would you want people knocking on your door every night to say hi? 
Not um, randomly, because I am a a planner, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I like to have a full calendar. So I I will say, you know, on this night, why doesn't everyone come round to mine? Um, but you know, no, you don't want it all the time, and that's one of the advantages because you're tired. You can actually just have some time on your own, which is yeah. also good. But having people offer is nice, and having you know having scheduled stuff into the diary so that you don't feel like you're on your own. You feel like you've got lots of people coming in and out. So yeah, for me, yeah. it's you do a lot of work from home. Do you ever feel, gosh, I, this is going to sound like a terrible comparison, but I used to have this dog, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> Benny would stare at me all day long and I would turn around from my desk and he would just be staring at me waiting for me to give him love and he would follow me from room to room. I know a kid won't be like that, but... <laughs> But do you ever feel guilty, or I don't know if you work while your child is in the same room, but do you ever feel that that pressure? Or, uh, um, yeah. So I, I try to look at this in a completely different way. So I almost feel guilty that I don't feel guilty, and I know that's a weird <laughs> thing to say, but so many of my friends are like, oh, I've got such mum guilt, um, you know, I'm not doing this or because I'm choosing to do that. And and, and I actually don't feel that. And I, I think I've positioned it differently in my mind. So yeah. I go back to splitting it into these three things. I've got family time, I've got career, I've got me. And I try to ring fence family time and be totally present and having that time together where I'm not doing anything else and we are hanging out just us having fun doing kids stuff then I have time where I have to work and sometimes in a normal situation um, my daughter would be in nursery lately she has been in the house as well because obviously nurseries are closed um and the, someone else said this to me, and I thought it's so true. I want her to be inspired by my passion for what I do. I want her to know that I work hard mm. and that I'm building a career and that I'm building security for us and that I love what I do. And um, so I'm trying to more make her see that that is an important thing for me. And then I also need time for myself to be the best mom I can be because if I'm run down and I'm not you know on the Mm -hmm. top of my game that will impact the time we have together so it is a hard balance to do all three um but I try just to juggle it the best I can and not spend time worrying that I'm Mm -hmm. doing it wrong yeah now uh, now that she's not in nursery how are you managing with work do you do does she somehow entertain herself as a two-year-old while you're sitting at your computer um, what's she doing right now I I did seven weeks with just her and I and um there was lots of things that I couldn't do so Mm. basically she sleeps for two hours in the day still uh so I would get up super early and I would work in the morning I would work in those two hours that she was sleeping and then I would work in the evening and then during the day I would try and work as best as I could but was was challenging (sighs) after seven weeks I phoned my mum and was like I no I cannot take this and um in the UK they had just changed the rules to say that 
that um, if your current living arrangement was unsustainable, then you could check. You can't go and visit people still, but you could change your living arrangements. And I was like, Mum, come on, this is please. <laughs> she was missing Daisy. I was really struggling. So my mum's now moved in with us. Amazing. Um, just, just for the rest of, of the lockdown period. Until wow. This. Okay. I have to know a little bit about what's going on. I'm sure my listeners are curious about what's going on in England um, lockdown wise because hmm, I'm about to I think leave my parents I'm in New York right now I've been yep. here for two months and I think next week I'm gonna go back to California and I'm hoping that I will be allowed or that some of my friends will do distance hang distanced hangouts with me um, yeah. wearing masks and in, like in my backyard is that not allowed in England so what you can do yeah we just started being allowed to meet one person at a time socially distanced you're not meant to meet them at your house you're meant to meet them out just because you should be outside if possible um there's a lot of controversy about whether the garden is acceptable you know we have to use our common sense but the problem is when you've got a toddler toddlers don't know how to socially distance right so it becomes very stressful so for me any family member it would be almost impossible for me to see without Daisy running up to them and uh, so uh, we haven't really done that also because my mum's here she's in her 70s I want to keep her 100% safe because she's helping me so we are just seeing each other and nobody else just how um, are you getting groceries Oh, we're getting delivery um just again because I want uh, so I had to get delivery in the beginning because otherwise I'd have had to take a two-year-old to the supermarket which I thought is probably not the best idea and now my mum's here again I just don't want to expose no of course I've been with my parents and they're in their 70s and 80s and um yeah yeah. it sounds like England, I mean, it's smaller, maybe easier to control and less assholes, maybe. But um, it sounds like your restrictions are a little tighter than ours. But it's different from state to state, city to city. Yeah, and I think um, that's only literally happened recently. So Mm. up until then, it was really strict. So you were allowed to exercise one time a day um, and you weren't allowed to meet anybody, social distance or not. Um, So it's literally just changed that now we can spend as much time outside as we want, which is super helpful because Uh it's so much easier to take a toddler outside. And um, yeah, we can meet up with one person, which is less, um, you know, useful, like I said, when you've got a toddler. Yeah. Are you required to wear masks? No, it's very unclear about the yeah. view in the UK on masks. Um, I think the, the the problem is we don't really have any. So it's very difficult for everyone to say you've got to wear them because, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think they're probably going to release some more thinking about that, um, you know, in the next few weeks. It's a bit unclear at the moment. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this as the end of our conversation. So let's think of something more fun to talk about real quick. (laughs) So, okay. So for any of my listeners out there who are, who want babies and are not in the right place at the very moment, what do you, do you have any advice for them? I do. Um, So what I would say is, first of all, it's about looking at the options. So the way I see it is you've got five options. You can do nothing. You can um, accept that you may not have children in your life and try to work through that. You can look at an alternative route to parenthood. So maybe 
fostering adoption, step parents, you know, some, some, something different. You can date, you can commit to dating and really try to, you know, meet that right person. Or you can start the path um, of donor conception to solar motherhood. And I think it's about looking at all of those options, working through each ones and saying, you know, which ones are just not for you and what does that leave you with? Mm-hmm. And then if that starts pointing you to the path of donor conception, it's around meeting some of the people who've done it, finding out as much as you can about it and just doing the research really and trying to get yourself into the right position to think, to, to make a decision that this is the right thing for you. Um, and I think there's, um, the, I've got a Facebook group called the stalk and i mum tribe and there's loads of women in the same situation there and i think it's really good to get part of that community and even if you don't want to contribute just hear what other people have said and knowing that other people have been in exactly the same position and going through the same things Mm -hmm. um, can just be really reassuring yeah so i'd i'd try and connect with people do the research and consider all your options to make a decision. That's really great. And don't do you have a website? I do. It's called the Stork and I. The Stork Is it and, and or an ampersand? Um, a and D. Um, all one word. The Stork and I. And yeah, that tells you what all of the different options you you've got in terms of getting more information about this as well. Awesome. That sounds so great. It's beautiful what you're doing. So thank you so much for helping everybody that you're already helping and helping my my listeners. Appreciate it. Lovely to chat to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mel. I hope I get to meet you one day, maybe when the... um... We should do something. We should do a big... uh... We should do a big meetup of everyone who's who's in this situation. It'd be awesome. Yeah. You mean in person, in real life? Yeah, in real life. Good, because those Zooms are... That's no, those are no, not no, fun. No, no. An event, an event. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that would be amazing. Yeah, Thank you nice so much. You. Really no, nice meeting you. Yeah. Bye. Or seeing you again. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay to straight, black to white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 